With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. All of a sudden, things were going wrong with the plane. And I'm looking out the window, the left wing comes off. We spiraled in from 9,000 feet. Everyone knew it was going to end badly. When I think of Leonard Skinner, I just think of outrageously fun time. It was the 70s. There was lots of cocaine, pills, alcohol. Never forget the first time I met Ronnie Van Zandt. What you saw was what you got. This band was so extraordinary. Now, I've never seen the likes of them since. Well, uh, this is a, a variation on the norm, but I uh, had to watch the uh, Leonard Skinner documentary twice this weekend. Yeah, first of all, I went Saturday night, I went and saw The Black Klansman. And then I came home and watched uh, Leonard Skinner. You get two different views of uh, of that period of uh, time, uh, certainly, in there. I went and watched Leonard Skinner documentary, and then I watched it again uh, a Sunday morning. It's on Showtime, If I Leave Here Tomorrow. And Gary Rossington, the only surviving original member. Right, Johnny? Uh, um, uh, really? Well, well uh, yes. Uh well, from Jung, the, the, the heyday of the band, yeah. they're still surviving Actually, members. Larry Junstrom is still alive, but he left them in well, 1970. Artemis right? Pyle was the drummer during yes. all their hits. He's yes. still alive. But he I don't think he was right there. He was later. He, he was, was later. Like 74. The originals were Billy Powell. Billy Powell, piano uh, Leon Wilkerson, yep. who they say was crazier to Hudo. Yep. Uh, Rossington, Ronnie Van Zandt, of course, and Alan Collins. Uh, but uh, to have Rossington still going <laughs> is pretty amazing. And then I read a thing on him. You know, they're out there right now with what they're calling the last of the street survivors farewell tour. This is it, they yeah, say. Allegedly. And now, here's why Rossington says it's called the last of the survivors. Because he's having regularly having heart attacks, he says, oh, when God. he's performing. <laughs> he needs a pat, battery of nitroglycerin pills to stay alive before every concert, he says. Uh, and he said they've been, doctors have been telling him for 15 years to get off, yeah. this, to, to stop doing this, to stop touring. Now, uh, so I, I certainly uh, learned more about uh, Leonard Skinner than I knew. <laughs> Johnny... Van Zant, he didn't join him till seventy four. He was the kid brother, right? Uh, yeah. and he's the singer. Now, he he right? didn't join until after the crash. Yeah, did he? right. The plane. Wait, crash. wait, wait. Let's see. I I think they list him as. Uh, when do they list Johnny as having joined him? 
Yeah, 87. 87, 87 yeah, yeah. yeah. He became the vocalist in 87. Yeah. Not as good as his brother. They were sorry. gone for 10 years. They they were yeah. they didn't they didn't form up till 87. Not nearly as good as his brother. No. And uh but here's something I didn't know about. I didn't know about the difficulties with Dale Krantz, the backup singer. Uh when Rossington and and the crazy Collins, uh, was it Alan Collins? Alan Collins, yeah. Guitarist. I had their own band. Apparently, they had quite the battle going over Dale Krantz, right? Quite the feud. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes. During the Rossington Collins band era? Yes, yeah. They I both did. were uh, hitting on Dale, and she ended Whoops. up marrying Rossington. Oh, so uh, She's still with him, too, by the way. But Rossington is fantastic in this documentary talking about... The, the old days. You know how popular baseball was in the 1960s, early 70s. Huh. Ronnie Van Zant played baseball. Really? He was a oh. he was a terrific young Sandlot player. Sure. He was playing for a team called the Green Pigs. Like 14 years old, <laughs> he was playing for the Green Pigs. He hit a screaming line drive that hit one of these guys. I'm not sure. It might have been Burns. Okay. Hit hit him with the baseball, like knocked him out. He's laying there. And as they're reviving him, Burns and Rossington and these guys say, hey, we heard you sing. Why don't you come over? And they went over to the garage of Bob Burns, and that's where they all started oh, going perfect, together. Perfect story. But uh, anyway, Rossington is still alive, and he's the star of this documentary, and I can't recommend it to highly enough. Uh, I did not get a chance to see it, but I definitely will. Showtime, you said? Yes. Yeah. And, and Ross, Rossington is... Uh, He's got my favorite right away. He's drive, they're driving to see the old house, by the way. I mean, this is redneck oh, sure. city beyond yeah. belief in Jacksonville. Right. Rednecks, rednecks were terrified to hang out in this place. <laughs> and they, they show the old man, they show old footage of the old man when he had all the gold records in his place. And the old man was proud as hell of the Von Zants. And the mom kept saying, when are those two boys going to get a job? You know, she, was, she, was, she wanted them to get it. Those boys need a job. But Van Zant, uh, Rossington, right, he was, he's in the car, and I love this quote. It just says, he says, you know, the, the early, the original stories about the, about the band are 52 years old. He said, not, not many people can even remember that. And then he says, much less rock and rollers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that they can remember stories, but Ronnie Van Zant apparently was a mean sob when he got drunk. They uh, he looks like it. Yeah, he did. He had that sneer. You yeah, know, yeah, he, yeah. He had that when he played, and he knew he was great. He'd have that little smirky sneer, yeah. like bleep you. Yeah, you know. But yeah. he said one well, another great story he told is, you know, the rocket that was back when the. All the rock and roll magazines were out, and they'd come and you know Rolling Stone and what right. was it, Cream or something. Right. Circus. Yeah, they, you know, they'd they'd all come yeah. and want to get an interview with him, and he'd be really affable. Then he'd start drinking, and <laughs> he'd set know, into drinking. All, they'd all start drinking, <laughs> and he said, he said before it was over, Rossi did be saying. You know what you should be worrying to bleep about is how are you going to get the bleep out of this room? <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Over the weekend, you did you mention this already? You uh, had that sniffing glue thing. Oh yeah, the, oh, uh, that God. was Alan Collins. That was uh, Jung Jung That's Jung funny. Ford or whatever his name uh -huh. is. He said, he said, yeah, he said uh, when we first met him, he liked to sniff glue. He said you could put a model airplane together with his breath. <laughs> he apparently was the craziest one of them all. 
And then, I, was it Artemis or who was Artemis the one that was nuts? Uh, one of them got over to uh, Paris. They were in Paris and they like had a complete nervous breakdown and started seeing stuff come out of the walls. And, I think well, it was Artemis. There. He, done that. Yeah. he had yeah. issues. Artemis yeah. had issues. Yeah, and he had to kind of drop out because he saw yeah. creatures and stuff. So <laughs> I tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. How was, uh, I know you mentioned at the start of the segment that you watched uh, Black uh, Black Klansman. I loved it. Was it? But, was it good? You know, if you're a big supporter of Donald Trump, you might want to pass. But uh, <laughs> but it was uh, it, it was really well done. It is. was really well done. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's his best movie since he ever started making movies. I, oh. I think it's wow. his best ever. All right. Anyway, uh, Gary Rossington for surviving. To still tell the stories of Leonard Skinner is today's Sports Person of the Day. Bob Ryan is with us, uh, still uh, producing copy for the Boston Globe. You can see him on ESPN. And, of course, the Red Sox are having a season for the ages. But then again, Bob was around in 1978 when they led the Yankees by 14 games in the middle of July. So I suppose you've thrown a little caution out here while everybody else is going crazy, huh? I can throw a few more around that people, one, including one people forget. Uh, but in 1974, they were up by uh, seven and a half not on uh, 23rd of August, and they failed to win. The Orioles did. And then, of course, we uh, recently in 2011, they had a nine-game lead in the wild card on Labor Day, and they managed not to make the playoffs, Patrick. So uh, this is, uh, I yes, that is exactly the proper way to phrase it. I am very cautiously optimistic <laughs> in that alone. Well, and then, of course, uh, the, the first little blip in the road uh, surfaces with uh, Chris Sale having me take 10 days or two weeks or three weeks off uh, for the second time now. It's very disturbing because they have pr- tried so hard to protect him this year. Uh, they, they've ex- erred on the side of caution every way, including putting him on the DL uh, not too, too long ago uh, with this shoulder inflammation. And... Uh, uh, not rushing him back, and then they brought him back, and he was magnificent. He he uh, he had a performance in which he struck out 12 in five innings while only throwing 68 pitches, which is just, <laughs> I mean, you know baseball. that yeah. If you strike out 12, if I told you, I, Mr. Uh, Royce, Royce, if, if, if a guy just struck out 12, what would be the minimum number of pitches? 104. 104. <laughs> and and he, so he did it in 68. Anyway, yes. And now to find out that even after all this caution is being exercised, he has to go back on the DL with the with shoulder inflammation. It's very worrisome. Uh, they have, there's no, I, I, they certainly could not have done more to try to protect him. So we're worrying about that. You know, it's easy, good to worry around here. Uh, and this, of course, is an October issue, but fact of the matter is that that uh, he's the ace of the staff and you expected him you expect him to be your 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 uh, your guy once october comes hey uh, bob of course uh, you were there when pedro was unhittable for uh, several years so i you it's i deem to say that uh this is as good as it gets, but man, if I was a left-handed hitter, I don't think there's anybody in the world I'd rather not face than uh, Chris so Sale. reminiscent of Randy. Uh, he's four inches shorter, but it's the same body build, and he comes at you uh, uh, with this ferociously violent delivery. <laughs> and if you're a left-hand hitter, uh, it's got to be some sight out there. And he's got three tremendous pitches. He's got plus fastball, he's got a great slider, and, and he's got a, a very nice change. And, and, and he doesn't walk people. He hasn't given up a home run now in about 56 innings. 
and and uh, you, you can't pitch too much better right or left-handed than he's pitching than he's been pitching. But he is fragile, and he does have a documented history of being a very good first-half pitcher and a so-so second-half pitcher. And uh, because he seems to wear out, and they've tried to prevent that from happening. I would imagine they probably, uh, if they can get him two starts before the playoffs, they'll be happy. Huh? Yeah, I think they're going to be monitoring the standings as well. I, I, and yeah, they don't really need him. But you know, once again, we do what we were alluding to earlier. This is not an impregnable lead, and, and uh, by any means. And all it takes is a little, you know, just a little hiccup. And and they do have six left with the Yankees. Now, one would think that that the last three would be superfluous. You would got to think that they play at the end of the season, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty September. That uh, what looked to be earlier on, and when the schedule came out to be like a very juicy thing, should be. Uh, uh, you know, should be a formality for the Red Sox. Might not be for the Yankees. Looking yeah. behind them at the likes of the A's, uh, of, uh, of course, and the Astros, whoever is the uh, the, the loser in that uh, little battle, uh, could be uh, right on the Yankees' uh, heel tail for the for a wild card. The one uh, reminiscent of 78 is these might be the two best teams in baseball. Too. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they in this. Could, but the Yankees, you know, they need to get yeah. healthy, and they had another blow last night if they're going to lose Gregorius for any period yes. of time. They've really managed to soldier on through uh, now this this uh, judge thing. They do not know when they're getting him back, and they do miss him. It is a, as you know, a tremendous ripple effect on that batting order when he's not there. Uh, Bob, of course, great stories there in the lineup. Mookie is out of this world, fantastic. But uh, J.D. Martinez, this is a this is a story for the ages about a guy who went home three winters ago and changed everything. It's it, it's incredible. It truly is, and. He was actually DFA'd, and uh, and and that, that which for people who don't know means he was basically on the verge of release. He was released. That Jeff Luno claims that he uh, contacted every team in baseball. You can have this man. You can have him. And he wound up in Detroit, and then he wound up in Arizona, and here he is. Uh, he he had begged Bo Porter, the manager of the Astros, in that spring training, bear with me. I've changed my swing. I'm getting this down. I'm going to be much different. And Bo Porter just you know hey. Sometimes you, you guess right, sometimes you guess wrong. He just didn't believe in the guy, and and he didn't have uh, offer him any encouragement, and and they let him go after 18 spring training abs, and and uh, started the rest of his career. Oh, we're so lucky to have him. I mean, you know, the the big question when he came to Fenway was would the uh, Fenway negate his power because his power uh, last year was so much to right center and right, but he's managed to use the entire ballpark beautifully. He still has that wonderful power uh, to right center, which in Fenway, of course, is is a is a is a hall. It's a poke out there. But uh, he's he said a few in the bullpen, including one the other night. Uh, the Twins have this big lug, Sano, who's as strong as anybody, who now when he came back this last time has actually lost, used right center a little bit. But uh, I, I would, I, my whole thought was the Twins should have somebody, they should fly him in and have him talk to Martinez about what, what's available in right center field, you know, if, you yeah, just, no, if you're that strong. Anybody- who, who has all fields power as a threat, as a monster. I, mean, I think a guy's in a Dick Allen had it. Jim Tomey, I, I, I think of him and I think of balls to left center, not the, not, not the right center or right field uh, or the dead center. Uh, it's a great gift when you have it. Mo Vaughn had it for a while. Um, your guy, <clears throat> uh, David Ortiz, when he first yes. came over to Boston, uh, made a great use out of that wall. As time went on, he became more of a dead pull hitter. Uh, and there were times when people had to urge him to try to get back to swinging that way when he to get out of a little dip every now and then. But Martinez so far has had no 
discernible dips yesterday. As a matter of fact, a, a streak was broken, Patrick. Uh, he had reached base in Fenway 51 straight games. <laughs> so that's not DiMaggio, but it's pretty good. Yeah, say, uh, what's the, uh, I suppose, the vi- is the vibe of invincibility there in Boston, or is there enough people who uh, who aren't going to get ahead of themselves? Generational, it's like a lot of things in life. It's got very generational, if you remember. Yes. Although, you know, you don't have to be too old to remember 2011. That no. was pretty disastrous. It cost Tory Francona his job, for God's sake. But, but um, uh, the, the 78 thing looms so large in the psyche of people who live through it. Uh, 14 games in, in the July, and then to see it go. And then, of course, what happened after they got had this disastrous uh, Labor Day series with the Yankees where they were swept, and then they lost they lost 10 in a row, and then they turned around and to get into a playoff game with the Yankees, they had to have a tremendous finish, which they did, including winning on the last day of the season as the Yankees lost to Cleveland, and then we had the famous what we like to refer to here or hate to referring to as the Bucky Dent game. Uh, Bob, it's been 14 years since they won one. Of course, you were there on that glorious, well, the the Red Yankee series was the glorious part of it. But uh, how much has that changed the fan base? Uh, it has. Uh, there's an era of, of uh, where was once there was all this woe is me. There's now a certain area of, ex- of, of ent- entitlement that didn't exist. Uh, uh, it's a little more balanced in that regard. Uh, it's, it's no, there's no way anyone can walk around with a woe is me about anything to do with Boston sports in the 21st century. We're the only city with, with uh, 10 parades. We're the only city <laughs> that has won in all four sports. And and uh, and the Red Sox are viable this year. The uh, the the Patriots are they're still the Patriots. They're not. Go- they're going to be a contender. The Celtics are, are one of the elite teams again. And the Bruins aren't too damn bad. So uh, uh, it, it, it's an amazing run that they're on. So it's pretty hard to go around in any kind of doom and gloom. But that doesn't mean that in this particular instance you, you you can't be cautious because we know baseball and we know how quickly things can change. And we've seen it happen here. But it does feel the feel of this group is that uh, uh, not. They don't have that kind of aura, and the manager is a, 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 a very steadying force. He's certainly been a, everything that we hoped he would be as a rookie manager, Alex Cora. Hey, uh, Bob Ryan's with us, uh, Boston Globe and ESPN. Hey, Bob, uh, if the Patriots weren't in that division that they're in, would there be a little more skepticism? The vibe is, I mean, the, there's more bad things going on than good things uh, ever since they uh, blew the league against the uh, lead against the Eagles in and, the second and half of the season. An odd off season, which began with yes. with uh, defections, Nate Solder going to the Giants, and and Danny Amendola leaving, and Dion Lewis leaving, and so forth. Uh, and and so it, there's a major personnel changeover. Then the odd dynamics of the off season with uh, Brady and Belichick, and so forth. And uh, it, it it isn't the same down there. Bel- Bel- Brady had a different off season than normal. He didn't uh, go to all the OTAs. He, uh, he he says he seems a bit different now. Somehow, although he claims he's the same, but uh, we'll see. Um, yes, it is different, and you're right. That division has been a gift, a, a gift from the gods. It's <laughs> been a terrible division. It's been a cupcake uh, city for them for all these years. Every year we think, who's going to, you know, we're waiting for someone to make a move. The Jets are reasonably optimistic about that they've improved in certain ways. Uh, the, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I still think you can count on them winning the division, and, and they, they can usually count on that. It's a, what, a, what a bonus, uh, you know, and, and certainly that's been part of the reason for their success. What's your read on uh, Belichick and Kraft? Is, is, is he going to win one more and take off? 
off, or what's going to go on here? Bill has been very circumspect. He's never given he, uh, all the indications we ever get. He loves it. loves what he does. He still loves everything about it, and he does love everything about it. He loves draft preparation. He loves OTAs. He loves practice. He loves the, the buzz of the game. Uh, I, I even think he enjoys the joust with the media because he controls it so much in yes. his own way that that I, uh, I I don't think he minds it. I think he actually enjoys it. And actually, is, uh, in a, after the Sunday debacle, which it usually is, it gets better day by day. Uh, until by Friday of the week, uh, he's, he's got all the game plan in, and, and he'll, he'll raconteur with anybody. He'll be a raconteur about football with absolutely anybody. Uh, he loves history of football. He loves it so much, wants to share his knowledge. Anyway, he, he doesn't appear to be any less enthusiastic about being head coach of New England Patriots than he's ever been. He just turned 66. He's in good shape. Um, I, 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 there's no end in sight. Uh, going back to Arbach, when he was running the team uh, and walking around with the cigar, you were uh, dealing with him later on. Uh, is this the most interesting Boston character you've covered uh, as a administrator, coach, general manager, Belichick? I, uh, yeah, there are certain people that truly are larger-than-life figures that, that you encounter, and when you meet them, they're, they're, they are what you think they are, to be the fam- borrow the famous Dennis Green. Uh, one was Howard Cosell. He was, in my experience with him, he was always on. He yes. was always showing off. He was always trying to be the biggest uh, man in the room. The other, Red wasn't that kind of a, but there was a power of presence about him uh, that uh, uh, was, was awe-inspiring to me. And, and uh, I had my ups and downs in the beginning a little bit. Uh, you know, he certainly did not like to be challenged, and it took a little gumption <laughs> to challenge any, him on any, anything. But I caught him in a couple of, of shall we say, uh, misrepresentations. <laughs> misrepresentations of things, yes. and, and, and he didn't like that. But uh, believe me, we stayed. We 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 uh, we were friendly, and I, I I really felt very proprietary toward him, and and and, and miss him. Uh, he was so much fun to have around, and, and his insights were priceless. He was, of course, president of the creation in the NBA in 1946. A, a, a con- incredible resource, uh, and 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 someone that was I was really proud to know. And uh, but Belichick is uh, right there. I would imagine as an interesting uh, oh, personality. I, you know, just the thing about him is that he won't. You know, he doesn't give. And and I mean, I was privileged. Uh, I actually entered Red's home and it was, I saw Red in, in, uh, as a host. And, and he, yes. was, he was like, "Can you have another candy? You want another drink? You know, he he couldn't do more for you." Uh, I I know there's another Belichick. I've only encountered it once, and that was at a social gathering uh, during one of the uh, playoffs. Excuse me, one of the Super Bowls. He had a little process in which I don't know if he still does it, uh, but this is back in Jacksonville, when uh, he would invite uh, a certain selection of restricted number of the media, five or six or maybe three or four, uh, and to have dinner and uh, with he and, uh, and, and the, uh, some of the staff. And uh, I sat right across from him for two or three hours, and, and, and we talked about a lot of things. And he was a regular guy, and he was, we had a lot of mutual acquaintances, which was a good way to start a conversation and, and so forth. And, and, and he was charming, and, and I know he's, we know he's smart. And, uh, you know, but what he has is a resolve that I have figured out a way to go about my business, to maximize my, my opportunity to succeed, and it includes dealing with the media in a certain way. It includes dealing with players in a certain way, and he has never changed it. And <laughs> why would he? Yes. <laughs> I, I'll say this. In Boston, I think he altered himself, uh, Pat, between Cleveland and Boston. Yes. I think that he could not have gone about it the same way and been successful. He was – he really didn't – treat the players in Cleveland as people at all. 
and, and the media was, he was disdainful. I think somewhere along the way, either he figured it out or somebody got to him and said, if you get another chance, you can't go about it exactly the same way. I, when I say he's consistent, he's consistent here in Boston. I don't think the people in Cleveland would recognize the Belichick that we've come to know as opposed to the one that they had to deal with. One last question, Bob. Do you have any or arguing scheduled on ESPN uh, this week, or you got the uh, week off? I, I, uh, d- d- no, because the ESPN, uh, the, uh, the shows are on a hiatus next week. Okay. It's a whole dark week for PTI and around the horn. Okay. Uh, the week of August 20, we'll, there won't be uh, any shows at all. So, no, I'm taking a little breather, and, uh, and that's it. But I'll be looking forward to coming back back in action when, when that, weekend, that week's over. Thank you for your time, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. The great Bob Ryan, Boston Globe and uh, ESPN. And uh, uh, allegedly retired about three years ago. He's a year younger than me, and he's still, uh, you know, every time you turn on ESPN, you can find him, and he's great. There are two very famous voices of the Roseau Rams, Bernie Burgraff and Manny Hill. And uh, we lost one of them today, Bernie Burgraff, uh, a local pioneer in hockey in, uh, in Roseau, a uh, longtime voice of the Roseau Rams. And, of course, his family had uh, some uh, fantastic players. In 1953, Burgraff married his wife, Nancy, uh, and they and Nancy had never played hockey herself. Started the Burgraff Skating Skills Clinics in Rosso. Nancy died in 1999, but uh, Burgraff Skating Clinics uh, th- still thrive today under the direction of uh, her son Frank. Uh, Bernie, uh, meanwhile, became the voice of the uh, Rosso Rams for years and years, and uh, he uh, passed away. At the uh, University of, uh, he, he had moved to Fargo and he passed away at a hospital there. He'd been suffering from dementia. 88 years old, but a very uh, famous name in Rosso hmm. hockey, Bernie Burgraff. And uh, he was actually, when he got to Fargo, he uh, did a lot of uh, hockey stuff there too and kind of a pioneer there too as far as hockey is concerned. And uh, Bernie Burgraff has uh, died a famous Rosso hockey name. How old was Bernie? Did you say it? I think he said 88 on it. Doesn't it say 88? Manny, was the Rosso hockey game the one where you couldn't tell the difference between the team's jerseys? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they were, because they were playing Thief River Falls. I'll never forget it. I'll take it to my grave. Uh, they were, Thief River Falls came to Rosso Memorial Arena and they were wearing black, uh, black sweaters. Yep. And dark blue numbers. <laughs> and the way the setup at the arena was that the press box that I sat in to announce the games was on one end of the ice. So if, if the puck was down at the other end of the ice, I mean, you were taking a wild guess he went, anyway. He went straight Steve Cannon on it, Kenny. You know yeah. he did. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, good times. Johnny Height with a sports update. Thanks, Patrick. This update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. Proud sponsor of the beer show with yeah. Mr. Reavers Thursday Woo-hoo. nights here at 1500 ESPN. Uh, 11 Steve, over to 10. Stephen gets through the zone to 6. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Gonsalves like makes his major league debut for the Twins tonight. He'll face the Chicago White Sox in a makeup game at Target Field. Lucas Giolito pitches for the White Sox. Twins lineup, Maurer, Rosario, Polanco. Sano hits cleanup, Kepler, Garver, Cave, Austin, and Adrianza. The two teams will head to Chicago right after the game then to play a already scheduled two-game series in Chicago. Last time they were in Chicago, they were there. For six days. Now, this time, they're there a day and a half, right? It was Wednesday an afternoon game? I think it is. Right? I think so, yeah. Why were they there for six days? Oh, they're, they're playing the Cubs, Cubs too. The Cubs, yes. 
when she was a little warm that Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon in Wrigley. Uh, from what I've heard on the broadcast, we almost lost Dan Gladden on several occasions on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> he was reliving old times in the uh, Windy City. You know, that'll happen to a guy in Wrigleyville. <laughs> Uh, former Auburn kicker Daniel Carlson is the new kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings announcing today they're releasing Kai Forbath. Uh, Adrian Peterson, former Viking running back. Yay! He's got Go a, get him, AP. a new job, a one-year deal with the Washington Redskins. It'll be his 12th NFL season. I never got into the AD thing. You got to either call him all day or AP. Yeah. You can't just, you can't give us the initials of a nickname. That don't work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you missed it last night, Lindsay Whalen played her last uh, regular season home game. Now the seventh... She's replaced Schuster, by the way. Yeah. As far as pub's concerned, Schuster doesn't get as much pub as her anymore. <laughs> we couldn't get rid of Schuster. Now we got Whalen. Wow. <laughs> the seventh-seeded Lynx will visit the sixth-seeded Los Angeles Sparks, a rematch of the last two WNBA finals in the single elimination first round of the WNBA playoffs tomorrow evening. And they will win. I think the links. Yep. Yeah, the sparks aren't playing that well, and and fouls apparently is taking an interest again. So, uh, NFL story involving an ex-Viking. This one would be tre- uh, Teddy Bridgewater, New York Jets GM Mike Maganen, offering his take today on the quarterback competition. Sounds like he's open to trading. Teddy Bridgewater says he loves rookie Sam Darnold. Uh, the GM's first public comments on the three-way quarterback battle involving Darnold, Bridgewater, and veteran Josh McCown. Uh, the GM said he doesn't have the final say on the quarterback decision. Of course, that belongs to Coach Todd Bowles. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, there's nothing to stop us from keeping three quarterbacks, and there's nothing to stop us from keeping two quarterbacks. In other words, the right price will get Teddy. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. which might be yeah. about a third rounder. Huh? Hey, Jaguars, give him a call. Uh, Bridgewater, of course, having more trade value than McCown, who's 39 years old and has a $10 million salary. Uh, Mike Rizzo, and remember when uh, they traded uh, Kelly, the pitcher, uh, Josh yes, Kelly? Yes. Uh, apparently, they almost got into fisticuffs in the locker room. Oh, the, really? The GM and Kelly. Uh, the, according to the Washington Post, the argument became heated, including raised voices. Eventually, it almost became physical. Adam Eaton had to get between the two of them, separated them before things could advance any further. Uh, following Rizzo and Kelly's... What's his name? Sean? What was Sean, right? Sean, Sean Kelly. Sean Kelly. Kelly. I'm sorry, yeah. I said Josh. Uh, following Rizzo and Kelly's encounter, Kelly was also confronted by pitchers Max Scherzer and Ryan Madsen, who expressed their displeasure with Kelly's actions on the mound. He was designated for assignment, then traded to Oakland. The hot run by the Aces catapulted them into contention with the Astros. Uh, Kelly, he hasn't allowed a run through four appearances with the A's in and three. And meanwhile, Pittsburgh, uh, Philly, and Atlanta both have stumbled, but Washington stumbled worse and fell out of the race. Yeah. And Kelly was the one who threw his glove down yes. and threw that 10-10. It was a 25-1 game at the time, I think. Johnny, we got some traffic coming up here, so we better take a break. Okay. The ride with Royce now continues. First of all, Christian on offense. He was giving them the business. It's time for Late Hits. P.J. Fleck. Did I call him P.J.? He doesn't like that. He wants to be called Phil. That's right. Phil Fleck has picked his quarterback. Zach Anikstead, uh, was a is still a freshman walk-on, even though his brother has walked on. He's a wide receiver, and they've already given him a scholarship, I think, in one of the cute ways that they give away uh, scholarships. By the way, that joke's worn out, isn't it? Okay, the 
Uh, we're going to surprise the walk-on with the uh, scholarship. We've, yeah. we've done that three years in a row right now. So, uh, I mean, we did it in this first spring, and then we did it last fall, and then we did it this spring. Anyway, uh, Zach Anikstead, he's a pretty good story. He was at Mankato West, and I saw Chad Courier uh, tweet out from uh, down there. Former uh, source for Cato Confidential, one of the great shows in the history of the uh, Ricey and Company show. You know, really quick, what? should we bring back just a quick one Cato Confidential segment when Courier can go, yep, I got nothing. Yeah, well, I think the first week, when we're back for that week, we're have to get, we have to get, we have to yes. get, Cato, what's going on in Cato? Eh, I don't know, it's okay. We just opened uh, up a new Culver's. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right, the Olive Garden's in trouble or something. Anyway, uh, Annex Dead played it. At Mankato West, same place Phil Nelson played, and he got hurt, and he lost his job, and apparently sat the next year. He was he played behind somebody else, so then he uh, transferred down to uh, uh, IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. Ended up beating out Art Arter Sitkowski, uh, who's uh, a former Miami, Florida recruit, who's now at Rutgers and was highly rated four star kind of guy, but Anixted beat him out. Anikstead apparently has scholarship offer from Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, elected instead to walk on with the Gophers. And uh, he was 63 out of 112 for 940 yards and 10 touchdowns at IMG, which uh, won all their games. I've seen the IMG basketball team. I haven't seen the football team. Two years in a row I've seen the basketball team play the junior college down there. Okay. But uh, Anikstead was uh, competing with a... uh, a redshirt freshman, uh, the Morgan, the uh, Morgan kid, uh, but he's a big, strong guy, right? Anikstead, I think Morgan's a smaller guy. They decided to go with the uh, the bigger guy. He's going to get the start, and uh, we'll see how that works out. Morgan is throwing uh, uh, in the spring game. They kind of competed with each other. They both looked okay, and uh, they're going to go with Anikstead at least to start the first game against New Mexico State. Now the last time they played New Mexico State in a in a game wasn't that when uh, they got upset and Jerry had his first wasn't that when Jerry had his first uh, uh, well they I think they went up to New Mexico or went down to New Mexico State the next year and blew them out but yeah, yeah the, the, the one you're thinking of here, yeah I was at year. I was at that game is that when he got uh, is yeah. that when he collapsed and at the, at the end of the game yeah and everybody you could hear a pin drop in that place yeah, too because uh, I was not aware of what. And, of course, Mac Boston used to be the uh, AD down there, or the vice president in charge of athletics. I don't think he's there anymore. But they're an independent. They don't have a league. They don't? They get, no, they don't have a league, I don't believe. And uh, they're D1. They went to a bowl game last year, but they uh, basically they play How do they these survive? Money, they play these money games. They, you know, they play. All right, boys, we got games. a 17-game <laughs> road mm-hmm. trip this year for on our schedule. When I was talking to Gordy Shaw, uh, Gordy, you know, spent a year at Idaho, which is, you know, dropping down to the big sky. They're going to FCS instead of FBS. They're dropping down. Mm. But the year he was there, uh, he shows up and looks and says, let's go get them, boys. They had LSU, North Carolina, and BYU on the schedule. <laughs> they had three money games scheduled for like four point four billion or something like that. So wow, you know. Anyway, uh, they uh, they they made a decision on a quarterback, and they open. They still have that Thursday opener, right? So the first night of the state, uh, no, the second week of the state fair, the thirtieth, thirtieth. Okay, yep. 
Uh, so that's New Mexico State, then Fresno, and who's their other? They get three non-conference home games, right? Isn't they get a Miami or Ohio U or somebody I like that. I can't remember. And then they, uh, they, they play a nine-game Big Ten schedule now. So. And on another college football note, this is pretty exciting news. The Cactus Bowl... Manny was uh, tracing the history of this game for me. It used to be the Inside Bowl. This was the Inside oh, Bowl. Oh, man. We, we were regular ago, yeah. attendees of the Inside Bowl. Uh, that's was, where Mace got fired yeah. at the Inside Bowl. And I think Tim Brewster took the Gophers, I think, to two two straight Inside Bowls right. where they got and, beat. Uh, Kansas they, blew them out one Kansas, year, and then the next then year there was a uh, laugher against nail, Iowa no, did State. They have a nail-biter with Iowa State. It was like a 13-7 well, I, la- I call it a laugher it because a the laugher game was comical. They were both inept. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, the game that the Gophers couldn't lose, but they lost anyway. Is yeah. the Inside Bowl the one where Chipper got his own hotel room every year, or is that the Music no, City Bowl? No, that was Bowl? the Music City Bowl. Got it. I <laughs> always have said he's a member of the Music City Bowl Media Hall of Fame. That's right. Uh, they were down there quite a bit with Mace. But anyway, and then it became the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, you told right. me. Right, and then Buffalo, and Buffalo Wild, Wild Wings went over to the to Citrus Bowl. decided to sponsor the Citrus Bowl, which, which obviously cost a lot more money. Yep. And uh, then they were became the Cactus Bowl because they didn't have a sponsor. So it's yep. the second Phoenix Bowl, and it's played in the old ballpark, Sun Devil Stadium, right? I thought, well, I thought Maybe they, they moved it. I think they, they moved it over to the Diamondback Stadium okay. now. I think they No, played. now it's played in... Yeah, it's played in the Diamondback Stadium. At Chase right. Field or whatever it's I'm, called. I'm glad they play it at the Cardinal Stadium. No, they play it at the... But uh, well, I'm saying, why don't they? That's, I, that's I stupid. Well, it, was that at, it was at Sun Devil forever. And then, uh, but Manny yeah. is... That would really upset... That would really upset... Wait a minute. This is one of three bowls that currently take place in Arizona. The Cactus Bowl began as the Copper Bowl in Tucson in 1991. Okay. So this is a different bowl game. So we got one in the Arizona. Okay, it was played in the Arizona Wildcats Stadium. Then it was moved to Bank One Ballpark. Then it was played at Sun Devil Stadium. Okay, thank you. Then it was moved to the home <laughs> of the D-backs. Okay, anyway, here's the good news. It's some bowl game in Arizona. It's now the Cheez-It Bowl. Oh, my God. It's now the Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It, Cheez-It is the sponsor. Oh. And it's, uh, I, as I said on Twitter, with all these cheesy bowl games we have, one of them finally admits it, right? I, I just don't understand why can't we give all of If you want to have 48,000 bowl games, fine, whatever, but give them... Give them all specific names and then attach the sponsors to them. Yes. That way we don't have situations like this where everybody's confused over yes, which bowl game is which. sponsors want their name. This is, you know, that's what it used to be. The such and such presented by, yeah. you know, or the, or it was a, or it would be the blank Fiesta Bowl. And then they, then they want, they want to be the complete name of the thing. Like the, yeah. you the, know, who will be front and center. Glued to the Cheez It Bowl, don't you? Your guy Matthew Collar, he watches, he watches every ball, right? single yeah. bowl game. I can't believe that. I watch none of them, none of them. But the Cheez It Bowl, I hope the Gophers go to the Cheez It oh, Bowl. Oh, how fantastic would that be? Would that be? The first Cheez It Bowl. This could be the biggest moment since we went to the last Micron PC ball, <laughs> or when we got beat by a sub five hundred Syracuse team in the. 
Texas Bowl. That's right. Here's what I want to know. That was a terrible series. Oh, oh, God. Here's what I want to know, and I don't know what the conference affiliation for the Cheez-It Bowl is, but if the Gophers make the Cheez-It Bowl, will Chris Reavers be in attendance like he attended <laughs> oh. the Quick Lane Bowl just a couple of years and, back? You know, Phoenix in December, you know. That so. might be worth it, actually. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough drive, though, man. Even for you, that's a tough drive. (laughs) All right. We'll be back. See if we have a daily complaint. Manny Hill, do you have a... Oh, right. A bad timing by me there. Manny, do you have a uh, daily complaint? Blake Bortles. (laughs) He sucks. He's terrible. Well, he outplayed uh, Kirk Cousins. That's he all did. I know. He That's did. All but I know. gosh, okay. if the, the Jaguars have so much talent, and they just have this mm-hmm. guy who's just not good. Now watch him throw like thirty-five touchdown passes this year and prove me wrong. How about you, Reavers? Uh, I'm going to echo what Manny said, but I'm going to go to the other team that played at, at the U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, and I'm going to keep harping on the offensive line take that I've had since the day before the draft. They did nothing to address the offensive line, and it will be. The Achilles heel of this team and the reason that this team does not get to the Super Bowl. Okay, but uh, let me just say this. Every team in the league has trouble slapping an offensive line together. But this is a team that had aspirations Mm -hmm. for a championship. That's all right. You got yourself another good cornerback and a kicker. So you didn't need offensive line. No, I guess we did Judd Jr. I will say turn into Judd Jr. I will say the one team out of thirty two that didn't have any offensive line troubles ended up winning the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. last year. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I guess my daily complaint is that uh, people don't uh, that people don't agree with me that it would be kind of funny if Kirk Cousins turned out to. Not be that good. Oh, really? Was it received well on social oh, well, media? First of all, I'm having fun with you, but it would be. It would be funny. Ricey, you're so be. negative, I'm Ricey. not saying it would be. I think he's fine. But if he wasn't, it'd, it'd be, be funny. funny. <laughs> Guy getting $84 million of the Zigmeister's money and not being that good. That would be funny. <laughs>